Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Break the Cycle with me, your host, Joshua Smith. I hope everyone's having a wonderful Friday. I know I certainly am. Uh, let's start off with some sponsors. Of course, we have Lorenzotti.coffee for all your delicious Italian coffee needs delivered directly to your door. Bring the taste of Italy home. And TopLobster.com, the man, the myth, the legend uh, for all your graphic design needs. Please use BTC at checkout for both of those things to get a 10% discount. And of course, AnthemPlanning.com for all your emergency and crisis planning needs. They're great people. Use them when you can. Uh, today we got a great show. We have, uh, he is a rapper. He is a fitness coach. He is an amazing online personality. His name is Zuby. How are we doing today, sir? Always good, man. Blessed and highly favored. How are you? Good to see you, man. Uh, hey, so I, I've been following you for a while on Twitter and you're definitely one of my favorite follows. Um, but, uh, I don't really know much about your backstory and your origin story. I know that you've moved around quite a bit. Can you tell us? Like wh- how you got to where you are as far as like being a big name in Liberty? Yeah, no problem. So I'm from a lot of different places. I was born in the UK. I moved to Saudi Arabia as a baby and lived there. Ended up in total being 19 years. But when I was 11 years old, I went to a boarding school back in England. So I was back and forth between the two countries during my preteen years and during all my teenage years. I did really well in school. I went to Oxford University, studied computer science. I started rapping during my first year of university and released my first album in my second year of university. After I graduated, I spent one time doing my music. I spent one year doing my music full time, put out more releases, was gigging, traveling, selling my CDs, all that stuff. And then I actually went, moved to London and worked in the corporate world as a management consultant for three years while still doing my music stuff on the side. In November 2011, so almost 10 years ago, I left that job and I went to go pursue my music full-time. So I've been self-employed now full-time for almost 10 years. In um, in 2019, stuff really started to take off. I had a lot of rapid audience growth. I had uh, that very famous viral deadlift video, which went crazy, and that was the sort of gateway drug to a lot of people discovering Zuby and everything that I do from my music to my podcast, which I'd started at time later on in the year, mid 2019, I released my first book, Strong Advice, Zuby's Guide to Fitness for Everybody, which has now sold almost 5,000 copies independently in 60 different countries, which is pretty cool considering it's not even on Amazon. And I've just been, I've just become known for a whole bunch of different things. Some people know me purely for my music. Other people know me for my social commentary. Some people know me for my fitness work and stuff like that. And that's cool. I, as long as people know me and find some value in what I do or they like one aspect of it or some combination of it, then I'm happy. Sure, sure. Yeah, and you're abs- you're the women's UK women's deadlift and bench press uh, record holder. Yes. <laughs> Can you talk it wasn't a little- very hard to break. Oh, yeah. Can Wasn't you talk a little bit about records, that and, yeah. and tell us like <laughs> why you did that and, and uh, what yeah. you hope to accomplish? Yeah, sure. So this is going back over two years ago now, which is crazy. So February... 2019, I posted a nine second video of me doing a 230 kilo deadlift. I think that's around 520 pounds roughly. And I simply captioned it. I wrote a tweet saying something like, I keep hearing about how there's no biological strength difference between men and women. So watch me destroy the British women's deadlift record without trying. P.S. I identified as a woman whilst lifting the weight. Don't be a bigot. 
<laughs> I just posted that to my account. I had uh, 18,000 followers at the time. I put out a lot of tweets. I didn't necessarily think that this particular one was going to do what it did, but it ended up, I think that tweet has now done about 15 million impressions, got 3.7 million views on Twitter alone. That's not counting it going viral outside of Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, on YouTube, all the interviews I did. The thing just went bonkers. It went totally crazy. The reason I did it is because we live in clown world and clown world has been growing over time. So like I said, this is two years ago and this issue still is raging on. And the fact that it's even a debate shows how stupid and cowardly the our Western society has really become. I mean, people are genuinely here pushing to have biological males compete with biological females in pro sports and either they're so dumb that they're not legitimately seeing the problem there or they're so brainwashed that they're not seeing the problem there or they see the problem but they're so ideologically possessed or they're so cowardly which i think is probably the most common thing that they don't want to push against it or they'll even push for it in that case to sort of virtue signal and show off their ideological credentials um it's frankly a stupid idea. And so I wanted to show rather than explaining, right? When when ideas are particularly stupid, sometimes it's better to just run with them and agree and amplify rather than to confront them head on because these people don't reach their positions via logic. So using logic on them in return doesn't necessarily work. So I just said, Hey, look, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna adopt your position. You say anyone you say a woman is I've heard a lot of these advocates say that a woman is anyone who identifies as such. So by their very definition, I am a woman. Um, specifically, I'm a transgender, gender fluid woman because I'm not always a woman, only when I deadlift or do uh, go for PR attempts. So by their logic, I actually am the British women's deadlift record holder because I, I, I broke the record. So either it was sort of a checkmate move. So it's either I am a woman and I have the record or I'm not a woman and this idea is silly. So people need to pick one. Um, <laughs> I think most most sane people, I know for a fact most sane people know that the latter is the correct answer. But for these gender ideologues who are really, really pushing this issue and a lot of other issues that are linked to it, then they would have to accept that, yeah, okay, he, you know, he, she said that she's a woman. So number one, we can't misgender her. And number two, uh, you know, give me my record. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you're a bigot if if not. I mean, that's it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You're transphobic. Hateful. Yeah. Um yeah. so so uh, kind of segueing from that, you you also got banned from social media for a while for for the term okay dude. <laughs> could could you talk a little bit about that? Tell us how that came about. Why in the hell would they do that to you? Oh boy. I mean, I, I okay, I'll I'll have to use they they never really explained it, so I'll need to make some assumptions here. So what happened was I Last year, again in February, all the exciting stuff happens in February, I posted a list of 10 things, no, five ways for single women to attract, uh, I think I was like, five ways for a single woman to land a great guy. And it was something like, uh, maximize your looks, be sweet, don't be annoying, learn to cook and grow your hair long or something like that, which is not, which is accurate, by the way. Um, but anyway, I tweeted it out there as a half jokingly, it, it is serious, but it's half joking. And it, the, the list went viral. 
as is kind of predictable. I mean, I can predict, I can sometimes predict when my tweets are going to go viral. So it went crazy. You know, people agreeing, disagreeing, people getting upset. There's a lot of people who spend time on social media just trying to find stuff to be mad at. So I figured I'd give them something. And someone responded to it. It was another verified account. And it said something like, I can, I bet I sleep with more women than you do. And this is terrible advice. And I literally quote tweeted it and I just responded saying, okay, dude, dot, dot, dot. That was it. One week later, I'm on a train going from London back down south to Southampton, and I receive an email from Twitter telling me that my account has been locked for violation of their hateful conduct policy, which is really confusing. So I'm like, wait, is this a real email? Is this some kind of phishing scam or something? So I go to the email, and it's a legit email from Twitter HQ saying that I violated their hateful conduct policy, which involves... Um, not using speech or attacking or insulting people based on their race, their ethnicity, nationality, sexual orientation, um, religious affiliation, all, all of these various things. And I'm like, okay, I don't do that. Um, what's going on here? And then I scroll down further and it says this is the, this is the specific tweet which violated our community standards for hateful conduct. And it just says, okay, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm like, wait, what? What? Like, so I'm here confused because, again, this is a week after the incident. So I'm, I'm, wait, I'm, I'm even thinking like, wait, what was the context of that tweet? Like, number one, OK, dude, obviously is not any kind of a, no by no measure could anyone in their in their war in the world consider that hate speech. But I was just confused. And then I was like, OK. And then I tried to go on my Twitter. I was locked out. I couldn't access it, et cetera. And then I had the option to make an appeal. So if you haven't committed a crime, I don't recommend that you admit to a crime. So I thought, okay, maybe this is just some mistake. It got flagged up in their algorithm or whatever. So let me make an appeal. I made an appeal. I get a response back in about 24 hours saying that my appeal has been declined after manual review and that they uphold that my okay dude tweet did in fact violate their hateful conduct policy. So if I wanted to re get my Twitter account back, I had to delete the so-called offending tweet. And so, so obviously I'm bewildered at this point. I'm just like, wait, what? It's funny on one hand, but it's also sort of chilling and very freaky. And at the same time, I can still see what's going on on Twitter. So I saw that hashtag OKDude and hashtag FreeZuby were both trending on Twitter. So shout out to the thousands of people who actually got that trending. Um, and anyway, I ended up deleting the tweet. The next tweet I posted was me dancing, wearing a T-shirt saying OKDude. And that video itself got half a million views. And so I decided to start selling OKDude okay T-shirts. It ended up becoming my best-selling T-shirt of all time. And then I did OK Dude hats. And then I made a song called OK Dude. And then I shot a music video for the song OK Dude. So it ended up creating a five-figure business for me, this whole OK Dude saga. And it led to a lot, way more people even discovering me. So that's the story behind it. Um, in terms of why it happened, I assume, I didn't even know this at the time, but the person I responded to was a um, a transgender person and I can only assume that dude is a gender neutral term by the way oh sure but yeah, yeah, I can only assume that they characterize this as some form of misgendering by me saying okay dude as in meaning yeah whatever in response to someone claiming that they sleep with more women than me which is also not the kind of thing a woman would typically brag about and it's a weird thing to brag about anyway but that is what happened. So that's the whole 
that's it. When I tell people about about it, oftentimes people are like, "Wait, that doesn't make sense. There must there must have been something else. Are you sure you didn't say anything else?" I'm like, "Dude, that was it." Yeah. Right. Oh, I just I, said dude. Again. Sorry. I, yeah, I definitely uh, I agree that it's a gender gender neutral term. Uh, it's something it that my, my mother and I call each other, <laughs> you know, all the time. It, so. it, yeah, it, it always has been. And even if not, it's still not any form of hate speech. Like if that's the bar, if, if saying dude to somebody, whether they're male or female or whatever is some is the boundary of hate speech, then um. Yeah, we're in trouble. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. But, um, and that, it ended up working in my favor. Well, and then that's the song. Okay, dude. I mean, that's it. Was that your biggest song so far? I mean, it, it had to have been. I one I, of them. I saw that it had a ton of views. I well, I've seen it. Seen the video a few times. It was, it's a good song too. I mean, you're you're really good at, you. at, at what you do, man. Um, but, <laughs> so getting into the the rap stuff a little bit. When did you decide that you wanted to be a rapper? What influenced you to to get there? Sure. So I've been a hip hop fan since I was maybe about twelve years old. I got into hip hop primarily when I was when I went to boarding school. Prior to that, I listened to a little bit because my I have two older brothers and they used to listen to a lot of hip hop. So I heard some of it sort of coming from them. And then I got into it myself as an individual when I was around 12 years old. Funnily enough, as a younger child, I, d I wasn't really into music at all. I did play piano, but I didn't listen to music in general. So it's kind of funny that I ended up becoming a professional musician. So I became a hip hop fan, was a big hip hop fan throughout my teens, but it wasn't until I got to university that I actually started rapping. So one of my friends had a recording studio, just a very basic studio set up in his dorm room. And so I would go in there, I'd download beats off the internet, write some stuff down, go in there and just record. And I got good at it quickly. I mean, I released my first album about 10 months after I started rapping and I ended up selling a few thousand copies of that album just independently, just going out, doing the street hustle, talking to people, uh, promoting and selling my CDs and my music like that. And then I started doing gigs, et cetera. So that was really when people started paying me for my music, when people actually started buying CDs or paying to come to gigs, that was where the real light bulb went off as to, okay, maybe this is something I can do as more than just a hobby. Maybe this is something I can I can take more seriously and I can really work with it. So from that point on, I'd say after about six months to a year in, I knew, okay, cool, this is actually what I want to do. Sure, sure. And so, so who are some of the artists that influenced you? At the time, I would say LL Cool J, Gangstar, Kanye West, Nas, Jay-Z. Um, now, a lot of those artists still, uh, one of my favorite rappers is also tech nine. Oh yeah. Um, I, I like a lot of people though. I mean, I like a lot of artists. I could probably do a top 10, but there are, you know, a hundred plus different rappers that I do listen to. True. And as, as you go on, you know, you create your own style as well. So I've just sort of honed and mastered my own style. A lot of people like it. Some people don't like it. But that is fine. That is music. That is art. That's even just being a human being. Not everybody likes everything. People have different tastes. People like different genres. Within genres, people like different artists, etc. So one thing you have to do as an artist, or I think as a creator in general, is just accept, okay, cool. This is for a segment of the population. There's no artist who absolutely everybody in the world likes or appreciates. Not even close to it. So artists and creatives should not expect everybody to like their stuff. And that's totally fine. You don't need 100% of the world's population to like what you do or to uh, patronize you in order for you to be successful. So I just make the music that I enjoy. I make music for my fans. I make music for myself. 
I make music that's real to me and genuinely what I'm about and what I believe in. And it works for me. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I'd say, you know, your, your, your music's definitely uh, a little different than some other hip hop that you've listened to. It's got some, it's got some UK style to it sometimes for sure with the, with the bars, Mm -hmm. but it's also got a little uh, American uh, vibe to it sometimes too. So it's, it's really cool. And and speaking of America, you've been talking quite a bit about, about moving out of the UK and and Mm. you've been staunchly against these lockdowns. Uh, yes, you know, pretty anti V word, I would say, at least, at least, <laughs> at least choice for the V word. What choice you know, for the V word? Exactly. Yeah, Simple as that. Yeah. You, I mean, you're living, you're living in a pretty tyrannical place. We all, you know, us watching over from, from America where it's been very tyrannical. We're looking at UK going, holy shit. You know, same with, same mm. with uh, Canada. What's yeah. it, be, what's it been like for you over there, man, during this last yeah. year? Yeah, it's been, it's been weird and it, it's varied quite a lot. So today they just had the second stage of the lockdown loosening. So I believe that from today they've reopened indoor dining and majority of indoor businesses can now conduct businesses can now conduct business indoors again. Um, they opened the gyms and outdoor dining and stuff like that about a month ago. So they're sort of doing like every four to five weeks there's more reopening. So if you were to ask me that question about five weeks ago, that was sort of when it had reached its sort of peak of just everything, most things being shut down, the weather being terrible, everything just being miserable, the gyms haven't been closed for four months, all that. So it's been it's been weird. Uh, the lockdowns have gone on for way, way, way too long. I mean, like, as you, like you said, I opposed them from the beginning. So it's bizarre to me when I'm talking to people and they're like, oh, I still think it's a bit too early. I'm like, dude, this should never happen to begin with. Like it's gone on for so long that people now assume the lockdown is the default. And they've also been paying a lot of people hush money in furlough money. So there are a lot of people who don't really want this to end. I'd say maybe about 40 to 50% of the population don't, I mean, let's be a bit more generous, maybe 30 to 50% of the population don't really want this to end. Um, I actually saw a poll that went out where it said something like 40 something percent of British people actually enjoyed the lockdowns and will miss them. So that, <laughs> Jeez. that, that in itself says a lot, right? But it's also because so many people have been being paid. So people have been being paid to sit around and not do anything. And a lot of these are people who don't travel a lot anyway, who weren't necessarily living particularly exciting lives to begin with. So I think if you're like that, then it's easy to sit there. As I said, if you still have your source of income and you're not running a business that's been shut down or you haven't, um, on having any severe mental health issues or suffering in other ways, it's very easy to sit like that. Uh, I mean, all the politicians and media people are in this position as well. So that's why it's so easy for them to push for lockdowns and push for these mandates and all these restrictions and then just label anybody who doesn't want to go along with it as some kind of selfish person or horrible person or whatever, which I think has been really insidious, deeply insidious, very, very unsympathetic, very unempathetic. And, um, yeah, I oppose it. I mean, I, I oppose it totally. It's, uh, you know, one of the worst things about it, there's a lot of really bad things about it, but one of the worst is it's just totally destroyed this illusion that we live in a free country. Totally destroyed that myth, right? Our entire lives, they've said, you know, countries like the UK, USA, Canada, Australia, these are free countries, right? We're not like, we're not like those other countries in Korea, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're not like North Korea or China or uh, certain Islamic countries or whatever, you know, we're the freest, we're the freest countries in the world. People have rights, people have free. I'm like, dude, that was all a lie. It was all a lie. 
true. <laughs> right. That's the thing. So it's like, wow, what a gut punch, man. Right. Like, it, so you're telling me it was all a lie. I mean, even in the USA, I see that the CDC a couple of days ago are now saying, oh, you know, now if you're if you're fully vaccinated, you can you're allowed to hug your family. You're allowed to take your mask off outside. You're allowed. And I'm like, who the heck do the, all these people think they are? They just who do you that think to, you are? Like, they just changed that to taking your mask off inside now, by the way. Oh, oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> you can. You're you're now allowed as if the CDC is your as if you're a child and the CDC is your daddy or you're a child and the the science, the the experts, the government is your daddy. I mean, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing that people have even been going along with it and been so compliant. So for me, that was just like uh, there were a lot of straws. But there, there were just certain final straws that were just getting hit for me where I was just like, you know what, man, I, I can't even. I mean, I was going to leave the UK anyway, but it just it just accelerated it for me. I was just like, you know what, like uh, <laughs> I can't deal with this like, as soon as I can get out of here. Um, I'm going to get out of here and I'm not. I'll, I'll come back to visit if they allow me in. Um, but yeah, yeah I, it, it'll end up working out for, for me positively in the in the long run. And I'm totally location independent. I'm, I'm in a very good position, so I don't need to be in any particular city or any particular country to make a living and be comfortable. So look, I've pushed a lot over the past 14, 15 months to wake people up and to try to show people what's going on. Despite all the mud that's been slung on my name and all the insults and all the attacks and the sh attempted shaming and all of that stuff, I don't care. But Ultimately, I have to look out for number one and I'm not going to stay on what I feel what feels like a sinking ship I hope that I'm wrong with how far it could go, but I'm not in the okay Let me stick around for another let me stick about around for another six twelve months or three year several years and see Let me see how this all materializes because I, I it's already been going very very sideways and I don't like the direction I don't like the way it's trending and for me, it's just enough. You know, I just hit that stage where I was like, all right, enough. Um, and where I'm going to go, I mean, I hopefully I'm going to I'm working to get a U.S. visa and I'll definitely be out in the U.S. this summer. In terms of super long term, I don't know. Um, I might just become somewhat nomadic. Um, yeah. Rather. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Um, I've got a lot of options. I've got a lot of flexibility. So we'll see. I know there's some people in Florida that are saying you should come check it out, man. Yeah, man. Texas. If I go to the States, it's going to be Texas, Florida, Georgia, or Tennessee. Nice. Probably Texas or Florida are the top two. Uh, Tennessee. I do also like Tennessee and I do also like Georgia as well. So not going to a blue state. Definitely not going to like a blue city in a blue state. That would be even worse. True. And that's not even based on politics. Like I have no problem with living amongst people who are, you know, more liberal leaning or whatever. But when we've seen We've just seen how that manifests, right? Like it's uh, you looking at the different states. I mean, I'm seeing in some places that they're just extending the lockdowns further and they're tightening the restrictions. And then you've got places with no restrictions at all. Florida has been pretty much open for the whole past year while the rest of the world is freaking out and losing their marbles. I think it looks like Florida is just looking at everyone else like, what are you guys doing? Uh, chill out. And they haven't even had a higher death rate than most other places or anything like that. So it's so bizarre. I mean, here in the UK, nobody talks about Texas. Nobody talks about Georgia. Nobody talks about Florida. Nobody nobody talks about the places that didn't have all these draconian measures and are doing fine. In the UK, people literally in the UK, people are afraid of what's going on in India. 
despite the fact that over 90% of the UK's elderly population is now vaccinated, um, the numbers of daily deaths are literally in the single digits in a 65 million population country. And there are still people who think that the op- the reopening is too soon. I'm like, are you, it's Stockholm syndrome. It's actual Stockholm syndrome. Like people, some people do not want this to end. Like if you live in the UK and you still think that there should be all these ridiculous restrictions and measures and mandates and honestly, like you're brainwashed. I can't, I can't even sugarcoat it anymore, man. I, I've been trying to be as empathetic as possible over the past 15 months. And I'm just at a level. I'm like, look, if people still don't get it. Like, you're just you're just a lost cause. Like, it's this is insane. And if you're gonna butt India, me, I mean, India has a far lower death rate than both the UK and USA as well. It's just that they've got 1.4 billion people. So of course, in terms of total numbers of hospitalizations and deaths, they're gonna have more. But the actual rate is far lower than the UK. But people are just freaking out about India, India, India variant, the India variant. It's like. Honestly, it's embarrassing to me, man. I'm just like, geez, I'm, I, sometimes I feel like I'm a, a different, I don't know, like a different species or something. It's, <laughs> it's, it's wild to me, man. It's wild. Um, this, the past year and a half has just revealed so much about individuals, about society, about the government, about psychology, just the way these things happen. And it's been deeply uncomfortable for me. Not the, um, not, not the virus at all, you know, sorry to anyone who's, lost somebody to it just like i'm sorry for anyone who's lost anybody to anything um but the response there's been no proportionality i mean i look i won't get too conspiratorial but i i've said from early that this thing's not about health and isn't hardly about a virus that's just kind of like a convenient way to do certain things but um yeah, like I said, you got to save yourself. So I'm gonna look out. I'm gonna look out for number one ultimately. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you talked a little bit about you know be, people being uh, paid to stay at home. Uh, at at yes. least in, here in the states, uh, it's essentially turned into this like UBI situation, right? Like a universal basic income. Uh, on top of your unemployment, you're getting like another five hundred dollars or something. Uh, you know, people are people are basically getting like twenty five hundred dollars every two weeks dropped into their bank accounts to stay home. This is way more than they wow. were making at the at the uh, at the restaurant or you know their minimum wage mm-hmm. job or whatever. So now we have a problem in the states staffing businesses. I think it's the, the yep. best argument I've ever heard against a universal basic income is, hey, look, if you pay people to stay home, they're not going to work. They're just not going to work. It's, you know, and um, is, have you guys kind of had the same thing in the UK? Is, is, was it, was, were people getting paid a lot of money to stay home more than what they would normally make? Yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily more, but I think a lot of the furlough was 80% of standard salary. But if you think that a lot of people will spend 20% on, you know, commuting and various things that they do anyway, it's essentially being paid full-time being paid just normally right being paid your full-time salary to do none of the work um in certain cases so look human beings respond to incentives um you can train humans it might be easier to train humans than it is to train dogs um and i don't say i say this as someone who loves human beings (laughs) but it's it's crazy this especially when you have the power of the media you have the authority of the government and the so-called experts or a tiny handful of scientists, right? Not science, not the, not science itself, but a handful of scientists who are on certain payrolls and have certain incentives themselves to push various agendas. And you just see that, you know, people like I can, I can see it all around you, man. I can, I'm seeing Ron Paul there. I'm seeing your t-shirt. I'm seeing Austrian economics, Austrian, Austrian economists 
on your wall right there. People like yourself and myself, we are rare. We are rare. We are people who have a healthy skepticism of the government and the system and the way certain things run, whether that's monetary, whether that's general role and scope of government, whether that's the nature of rights, whether they come innately or from God, or if they are just gifts given to you by the government. We are in the minority. People who think like us are in the minority. And most people do not think that critically. They outsource their thinking. They assume that if it comes from an authoritative source, whether that is CNN or it's certain social media accounts or it's the government itself or it's the CDC or it's the NHS or it's the WHO or one of these other alphabet organizations, they take it as gospel, right? When they told people not to wear masks, they took it as gospel. When they told people to wear masks, took it as gospel. When they tell people to keep wearing a mask, even if you're vaccinated, they take it as gospel. When they say, hey, you can take off your mask now if you're vaccinated, they take it as gospel. Like those things cannot all be true, right? Like, right? <laughs> right? Like all, right? You, 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 it can't go from, oh, masks don't work to masks work. Like you're wrong one of these times. And people don't ask these questions. People just go along with it, go along with the herd. And majority of people also, look, the majority of people know that there's a lot of nonsense going on but they don't want to be the one who says it, right? We have an epidemic of cowardice, and this this predates 2020, but people are just scared to tell the truth. People are scared to be honest. People are scared to not be in the majority on a whole bunch of different issues, and that's how we end up in this mess, and that's the thing that freaks me out, man, because I'm just like, look, like when I'm surrounded by people who are not just not thinking and who are just going along with groupthink and going along with mob mentality or just uh, completely succumbing to any type of authority, that freaks me out, man, because that's how that's how really bad things happen, right? Blind compliance, just author, um, authoritarianism, groupthink, um, attacking members of the so-called outgroup, et cetera. All these things are very dangerous. They have historically, globally, they have really bad precedents. And then when they're pushing ideas you know that a year ago people were calling those who talked about so-called vaccine passports or freedom passes people were saying oh that's a conspiracy theory like that's never going to happen they won't do this whatever and now they're just openly talking about it and now the same people are who were calling it a conspiracy are like yeah that's a really good idea we should do that you know we should be able to segregate people who are not vaccinated from those who are etc are you sick to death of pussyfooting around the truth while being constantly fed lies by news and big tech tyrants? If so, then come join me, Dan Smots, on The System Is Down, where we get weird, have fun, and dig into all the dangerous taboo topics like conspiracies, politics, religion, culture, current events, and everything your family just prays you don't bring up around the Thanksgiving dinner table. And I know that reality is scary to some people, so if you're easily offended, just ignore this and go back to making cat memes or whatever. But if you're ready to change the world for the better, come join me on The System Is down at tsidpod.com or wherever you get podcasts that's tsidpod.com because the system is down and truth is taking over which is even more insane when you consider when you think for two seconds and you realize okay well if you are if you are vaxxed and that protects you why are you concerned about whether or not someone has it it right? doesn't even make sense. And no one ever even tries to explain it. They're just like, oh, just science, shut up, you're selfish, whatever. And I'm just like, you people are not thinking. I, I don't like to be derogatory towards people. I don't like to call people sheep. 
but I'm just like, you're just being a sheep. Like you're, you're not thinking it. What you're saying doesn't even make sense. Right. If I, if I'm immune from a, from some disease and w- w- I'm immune, cool. I, I did what I want. Like, I'm not, like, I'm, I'm not anti, you say anti V word. I'm not anti it at all. Like, I don't care. Like majority of people I know are, have got it or will be getting it. And that's up to them. And it should be up to them. It's that simple. I'm just against any form. Of, I'm just against coercion, right? Which everybody was like in 2019. And then suddenly this changed because there's a virus going around with like, I don't know, a 99.9% approximate survival rate in most demographics. And it's insane, you know, that we've just witnessed a mass mass brainwashing. We're living through like a huge psyop, a huge social conditioning experiment. And it's really disturbing. And the fact that it's happening all over the world makes it even more disturbing because it's not even just like, oh, okay, the UK has gone crazy, but everywhere else is normal. It's just like, man, you talk to people in different states, different cities, different nations, everywhere. There's like a tiny pockets of sanity and everywhere else, it's just like, oh my gosh, man! Like you talk to someone in Ireland, and they're telling you. You talk to someone in Canada. You talk to someone in um, in Czech Republic, in the Netherlands, in Germany, whatever. It's the same thing everywhere. And I'm just like, this is freaking scary, man. Sure, this sure. is so scary. And imagine if they could do this here. Imagine if they had a virus with even a one percent death rate, let alone like five percent or ten percent or twenty. Good grief! If they can do this for with this one, ooh, the precedent that has been set is terrifying. Yeah, I like to say the uh, the propaganda is working. The propaganda machine is working Good the way grief, it's supposed man. to. Uh, and, and who would have thought that Florida would have been the normal, the normal one? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so you, you, and in, and in and in Europe and in Europe, Sweden. Yeah, yeah. Who would have thought? Who who would have thought? Um, yeah. So. I caught some of your uh, your interview with Shane Hazel, who's a good friend of mine from from Georgia. He's running for uh, governor of Georgia. He ran for U.S. Senate there. He actually covered the spread in in the uh, Senate race and forced uh, a runoff vote there. Um, and and you got you guys got kind of ideological there for a little bit. And so you you don't mm-hmm. you don't really fashion yourself an anarchist per se. No. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. So I heard. I didn't get to catch the whole thing. I just kind of heard you talking about, you know, roads and this and stuff. W- what kind of philosophical um, ideology uh, would you say that you ascribe to the most? Do you, I mean, is there one, or do you just take from a bunch? Or I, I don't have an ideology because I think the danger of having an ideology. I mean, I guess you could say my ideology is Christianity. That's my religion. But in terms of political philosophy, I'm not hardline anything right i have leanings right i'm naturally more conservative leaning and more libertarian leaning but i'm not like a you know an anarchist is like a thoroughbred uh like purist libertarian essentially right just like a communist communist is like a full-blown um you know sort of like leftist authoritarian or or full-blown socialist right someone might have socialist leanings but they're not like a full-blown communist right and then someone might have libertarian leanings, but they're not, you know, full on ANCAP, um, et cetera. You know, so with me, it's like I'm, you know, in that political spectrum thing, I'm always in the I'm quite solidly in the bottom right quadrant, but I'm not at the, I'm not to the level of, OK, there should be no government at all. Sure. Right. Largely because, you know, that was a conversation I had with Shane. It's just like it's not it's not realistic. You know, it's not realistic and it's not tenable. And so it's there's no point in to me, I I can understand it like philosophically and theoretically for the most part. 
just like I can understand communism theoretically. But when it's actually in practice, it's like, okay, well, just because something is, works in theory or as an idea, it doesn't necessarily mean it works in practice, especially across millions and millions of people. You know, if you take a country like the USA, 330 million people, to me, the notion that that would work without a, you know, formal government is to me, it's a, it's just a pipe dream. And also, even if you think it would work, it's not, it's not going to happen, right? The government isn't going to abolish itself and, <laughs> and be like, you know what guys, we're done. Like we're, we're it's just, it's not, it's not going to happen. So with me, I think that the, the role and scope of government should be fairly tightly limited towards what it sort of initially is and was supposed to be. Um, certainly in a country like the, the USA, I mean, you, you guys do have a con there is a constitution, there is a bill of rights, et cetera. And so it's quite clearly laid out what the role of say the federal government is meant to be and what it's supposed to do. Um, in countries in the UK and in Europe, we don't have a constitution as such. So it's a little bit more random and open to interpretation. And there are a lot of different ideas around that. And over the past hundred, hundred years, let alone over the past few centuries, We've seen all different types of governance models and all different scopes and roles of government, et cetera. But with me, I'm just very much, um, you know, I'm pro, I'm generally pro liberty. I'm pro personal responsibility. I'm pro freedom. I'm, I just think, look, you know how to run your life and do things for yourself and your family, et cetera, than anybody else does, let alone the government, let alone a bunch of bureaucrats who don't even they don't even know you exist right this is the thing like over this whole past year and a half people are there acting like the government deeply cares I'm like the government doesn't even know you exist sure. right like they don't know you exist like you think do you think the government knows what's better for you think the government cares about your parents and maybe your grandparents more than you do no so why are you letting them dictate to you whether or not you're allowed to hug them or see them or how far you should stand from them etc it's like look if you have a certain concern or you're close to where you live with someone who's got certain health conditions or they're at risk, whatever. Our entire lives, we've done this risk management every single day, right? If you're not comfortable surfing, like don't go surf. You don't need, you don't need a law saying that you're not allowed to surf unless you've passed these tests. It's just like, you know, like human beings are self-preserving. You're not trying to go out surfing knowing you don't know how to swim. Um, if you get sick, I imagine in your entire life, like you've been sick before and you never needed the government to tell you or put in a law or something saying that, oh, if you're sick, you must do these things or not do these things. Or even if you're not sick, you should act like you're sick or whatever. It's just like, stop. No, like, no, we, we know humanity functions as it is. And the truth is with freedom always comes risk. Freedom is risky. There's always going to be some trade-offs between freedom and liberty and at least the sense of safety and security, right? We see the same thing here in the UK, right? In the UK, it's generally illegal for a citizen to own a firearm, okay? So someone could make the argument that, okay, in terms of gun violence, the UK is safer than the USA, right? At least on a sort of basic level, right? If you're just to look at stats or whatever. But then if you think of it from a wider level and you think of what the or you think of it from even a simple freedom perspective you might also be able to argue well the usa is more free in that regard 
And sure, okay, there's, there might be a trade-off here, right? If you've got 400 million guns in the country, then yeah, there are going to be unfortunate incidents that happen with firearms specifically, right? Not because guns themselves have some uh, consciousness or some power or, or the power to do things on their own, but because they are tools that can be used to harm people or kill people, et cetera. But that's one of the trade-offs from freedom, right? What about, what about, forget guns. Like what about food? What about alcohol, right? Should we ban alcohol? Alcohol, man, I'm pretty sure, certainly in the UK, alcohol kills more people than guns. I, I was sure, about to say, sure. there's no way you're banning alcohol in the UK. Yeah, Al <laughs> alcohol, cigarettes, right? Alcohol, yeah. cigarettes. Um, you know, there's all sorts of things, um, you know, Unprotected sex should that be banned right? That's risky too, man So there are a whole bunch of things that Look like the biggest the leading cause of death in both our countries is cardiovascular disease, right? Which is highly linked to obesity and then the second is certain types of cancer many of which are also exacerbated by obesity And we know that even 80% of the people hospitalized with this virus are overweight or obese, right? so the problem is, so if it was like, okay, the government really, really cares about you and is willing to take an authoritarian approach to mitigate that, dude, the first thing they need to do is they need to, they need to ban food. They need, they need to ban certain foods. They need to put strong, tough restrictions on advertising, anything that's not healthy. They need to put in exercise mandates. They need to be subsidizing gym memberships, all that kind of stuff. Of course, they're not going to do any of it, but that would save more lives by far. That would save far more lives than all the nonsense they've been doing over the past year. I, I don't even, that's not even debatable, right? That's not even debatable. But I wouldn't support that because that's a huge infringement on people's liberty and people's freedom and people's autonomy, right? I want you to go to the gym. I want you to make better food choices, but that's that's you. That's on, that's on you. That's your responsibility. That's your body. You're bearing the risk. You're bearing the consequences of if someone's going to, you know, if you're good, if someone's going to eat like trash for decades and destroy their body with cigarettes and alcohol and whatever, I don't want people to make that choice, but that is their choice to make, right? The government shouldn't be coming in, kicking the door down, you know, <laughs> asking people if they've done that. Have you done your push-ups today? Have you done, <laughs> like, Could you imagine? You know, like, <laughs> but, but that's the thing, like that would actually, that would actually save more lives. That's the, that's the crazy part of it, right? Then people standing six feet apart or wearing a mask outside or you know meeting in groups of six but not in seven or going outside at 9 p.m but not at 11 p.m all this nonsense that they've been doing in all these various countries I'm like this is not about health man like this isn't about health they don't suddenly start caring about our health um no, they so want yeah us, that was they a, want us fat sick and tired i mean that's that's what they yeah want. They, i think I, I think they want you alive i think they want you alive because you can't i mean maybe you can text dead people but you're 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 worth more to them alive but i don't think they want you like strong and healthy and independent and self-sufficient etc um because then their role can't keep increasing right the the weaker people are the more fractured people are the more broken families there are etc the more the government can come in as daddy government or mommy government and fill in those roles you know g give you an allowance and give you food and hold your hand and make sure you're safe and take this from you and take that from you and you all you have to do is just do what they say that's not, um, you know, I think that that's, that's an, it's a historical battle, isn't it? You know, it's one of those things that goes on forever. The, the whole story of human history involves, you know, 
uh, governments and trying to keep them in scope and various tyrannies. And then you've had revolutions and you've had changing of power and all of this stuff. Um, and so I think one thing I like about the USA, uh, I'd especially say more, like more conservative leaning or libertarian leaning Americans is they do truly value that freedom and that liberty in a way that vast majority of people in the world do not like they still have that streak of just like, no, like the government's not my daddy. Um, these are my rights. And, you know, the government's role is to protect them, not to give them to me. Whereas most people in the UK and in Europe, and I think also probably in Canada, Australia, the mentality is more like my rights come from the government. And if your rights simply come from the government, then of course, you know, you also believe that they can just take them away as they wish. They can just declare an emergency and say, okay, well, you don't have these rights anymore. You can't leave your house anymore because we say so. And people are like, okay, that kind of sucks, but okay. Well, some of those places like, have lived under monarchy rule for so long, you know, mm. monarchy or rule. And then, and then you have Americans who were like, you know, less than 300 years ago, we were like, no, fuck that. Uh, we're yep. not, we're not doing that anymore. We actually fought a war to be a little more free. And then, uh, you know, we spent the next 200 and some odd years uh, giving it back to the yeah. government. <laughs> It's so strange, man. It's, it's it's such a strange phenomenon to me. I mean, over the past year, people have been literally advocating to lose their freedoms, right? Like people are literally advocating to lose their freedoms and labeling people who are fighting for their rights. All I've done this past year is I've just been trying to fight for people's rights that they've had, that they've had their whole lives, right? I'm not anti-mask. I'm not anti vax i'm not anti like i'm just like yo that's up to you if you want to wear a mask i'm not i'm not saying oh no like we should ban masks or no one should be I'm, I'm, what, no if you want to wear a mask or you feel you need to or whatever if there's a medicine you want to take or a vaccination you want to take whatever god bless you that's fine just don't coerce people you just just don't make laws trying to force people to do these things right like the the notion that the government you know creates a law that forces that forces you to, um, you know, they, they'll, they infringe upon your freedoms and then say, okay, you know, and then use your own freedoms as a carrot for you to behave exactly how they want them to, or even to inject things into your, into your body that only have emergency use approval. I mean, it's, it's crazy to me. I mean, it's, these things should just simply be, be choices, right? Simply like, just like, just like you shouldn't be forced to have a surgery, right? If there's a surgery that you want or that you feel you need, God bless you. You're welcome to to have a surgery, right? But imagine if the government came and you know threatened you need to have this surgery. Like you must, if you don't have this surgery, uh, you can't go to work, or you can't travel, or you can't attend. You you can't enter this area. You can't do this. You can't do that until you go and get this. Like people would be like, what? This is insane. But to me, that's what it is. It's all medical. It's medical coercion. It's medical coercion. And if and, and the thing that's more disturbing is the fact that people are even sort of leaning towards relying on that because I'm like, well, look, I've never, again, people, human beings are self-preserving and we all do, we all do natural risk calculations. So if you've done the risk calculation for yourself and you've reached your conclusion, then cool, like that, that's, that's fine. Um, but it makes people who are sort of skeptical even more skeptical because it's like, well, why are you trying to coerce me to this thing, right? Like, why are they giving out fast food and running million dollar lotteries in various states in the USA to try to get people to take this thing, right? It's just like the the, the logical, rational, 
scientific explanation should be sufficient, right? That, that should be sufficient, right? If, if I feel like, okay, you know what? There's this thing I need and I think it's safe and it's going to reduce my risk of something that I'm worried about. Simple. If not, I'm just like, okay, no. Like, and, and that's it. That's it. And the equation is different for everybody. If you're 21 years old and you're in good health versus if you're 80 years old and you've got some underlying diseases, like those people are not going to, they don't have the same risk equation. So why are we acting like everything there is? Why are they trying to push this on children, et cetera? Like it's really dark to me. That's, um, that, that, that the whole thing's just, I think it's very unsettling and dark. The children thing especially bothers me because, you know, we, we know, and then CDC has admitted that, you know, the, this thing doesn't affect children like it does no. you know, adults. And so no. why would we push this experimental thing on children who, you know, could have a worse reaction to it than they would exactly. the virus? It doesn't make any sense. Exactly. It, well, it, it, it makes sense if you assume it's not about health. Sure, sure. If you assume it's about money and it's about control and it's about um, compliance and it's about, you know, perhaps something more nefarious than that. The thing is, that's what I mean. Like that creates conspiracy theorists. You see what I mean? Because you're like, well, it doesn't make sense from a health perspective. So why are they doing it? And why are they pushing so hard for it? And then you have to come up with other other ideas. Are they just trying to sell more things and make more money? Are they trying to uh, control or even enslave the population to some degree? Are they trying to pass through new laws under, uh, you know, various c circumstances and sort of take advantage of the situation? You have to start. Um, what's what's the right word? You know, you you start speculating, because you know it's not about health, right? You could say maybe okay if you're talking about people who are sixty plus years old, fair enough, right? You know they're they're more at risk from it. But when they start pushing on like you know twenty year old, twenty year olds, fifteen year olds, twelve year olds, five year olds, like why are you rejecting a five year old with this thing? Like what? Like why? Right? You you can't say oh it's for the child's benefit. Because it's not mm -mm. right there, and there are, and there are other medicines. There are even other vaccines where you could, which which have a, a high impact on children. Like you don't even do that with the flu. The flu is more likely to kill a child than the Rona. Fact, right. medical fact, statistically verifiable fact. If you are under, I think under twenty years old, approximately, then you're. If you were to get the flu, the the risk of hospitalization and death is greater, and no one has been pushing for, with the flu jab. People haven't been saying, oh, you know, we need to we need to do this. We need to do that, whatever. And that and that's existed for much longer. It's been tested more. We know more about it at all. It's FDA approved. It's approved by various. So I'm just like, what is going on? I, it, it, it's so unsettling. I'm just like, what is this? And who are the parents who are volunteering their children for this? Right. What are you doing? Right. Yeah. Oh, you know, oh, you haven't tested on animals. Oh, here's my child. Like, right. What are you what are you doing? <laughs> Yeah, it it blows it. my mind. I'm it, just like, what? What is going on? It is absolutely insane to us too, man. And I, I, I just want to say that I think it's hilarious that the entire world has adopted the term jab because that definitely came from the UK. Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah, and, it and is. And the UK, whole man. world has adopted it. I mean, everyone in the United States is calling it the jab. I'm like, we've never called it. It's always been shots here. <laughs> it's a shot. That's so funny. You know, I just thought it was really funny. That's really funny. It's the first. It's the first time, you know, uh, since since the American Revolution where we started adopting uh, UK lingo in the United States. Right? <laughs> it's good. That, it's good that something uh, something came. A, a lot of things go in the other direction. Yeah. So it, it's funny to have a have a word go from the UK to to the US. Yeah. Very strange, man. But uh, so talking about fitness and stuff, you're also a fitness coach. You, you got a, a new book coming out, or has uh, come out? No, I have. It's my my book came out in 2019. Okay. Strong advice came out in 2019, but it's an evergreen book. So. 
you know, it's not like, oh, in those two years, the whole fitness and nutrition right. <laughs> uh, knowledge has, has totally changed or something. So it's, uh, it's still selling really well. I've been, yeah, I, I do. I just keep promoting it because it's, uh, it's, it's helping a lot of people. It's going to help far more people. And like I said, it's evergreen. So I will write more books in the future. I don't yet know exactly what all the topics are going to be, but I think I have a lot of potential books in me that I'm going to release at some point during my lifetime. So I'm just taking it step by step in terms of project. You know, it's the, the word of Zuby album. That's going to be the next big project that is released this year. That's going to be coming out officially in about a month or two. And so, yeah, I'm gearing stuff up for that. And that's the main thing I'm working on. But of course, music, the podcast, sorry, the, um, the, the book, the podcast, interviews, public speaking, et cetera, all of that stuff is also going on as well. Nice, nice. Yeah, so you, you actually, I've, I've been following you about this. You're going to travel some soon to do these public speaking events, and you'll be in the United States. Can you talk about where you're going to be at? So my, yeah, my sure. viewers know? Yeah, sure. So I'm going to be doing an event for YAF, the Young America's Foundation, um, conservative organization. I will be doing, speaking at their, their 42nd or their 43rd annual conference in Houston, Texas. Um, the first week of August, I think 3rd of August, I'll be speaking. And then also Young Americans for Liberty, uh, YAL or YAL. I'll be doing an event that uh, I'll be speaking at their Revolution 2021 event in Kissimmee, Florida, near Orlando. Um in the same week, towards the end of the week, around August, the event runs from August 5th until August 7th, I believe. So I'm not yet sure which date I'll be speaking on, but um, I'll be there. So I'll definitely be in Texas and I'll definitely be in Florida by this summer. And I'm sure there will be a lot of other cool things that are going to happen as well. I'm going to shoot some music videos out there. And um, yeah, we'll see if I'm going to Texas, see if I can get back on uh, on Joe Rogan's podcast and do some other cool things as well. Yeah, that'd be cool. You you actually been on Joe Rogan, so that's that's super super sweet. I mean, that had to be yeah. a huge bump in in uh, publicity for you. Yeah, it was. It was it was good. It, you know, the thing is, it was. It's not how would I put it. It's not as it wasn't as big a bump as I think people think it was. Like stuff was already really really on an upward trajectory, so. It definitely was. It definitely gave uh, an it helped to accelerate it a bit, bit more and introduce me to more people. But I think there are a lot of people who just think, oh, like Zuby went on Joe Rogan and that they think that was the catalyst. And it's like, no, that wasn't the catalyst. The catalyst happened many, many months right. before that. And then that happened off the catalyst, if you see what I mean. But big shout out to Joe Rogan, man. Thank you for, um, you know, having me on the show. And he's he's always been he's always been really cool. He's mentioned me on the show quite a few times. That's how I got the OK Dude intro, in fact from one of his conversations on his podcast. So, you know, I'm grateful for every single person who who supports me, man. Very, very grateful. I'm in such a blessed position now. Sure, yeah. Absolutely. I think the first time I, I heard about your your uh, deadlift record in UK was actually on Ben Shapiro. Uh, and oh, okay, I, and interesting. I, yeah, I remember he, he was like a quick segment on Ben Shapiro or something. <laughs> and I was like, I don't listen to Ben Shapiro regularly, but it was like a little quick clip that popped up on my, my Twitter. I was like, oh, man, this guy's great. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, man. It's so funny how far that thing went. You know, like I'm an independent rapper from the south of England, and yeah. it's crazy that millions of people just all over the world saw that and it, and it resonated, and it just it just became a thing. It's so weird. I just literally, I was just on my phone. You know, I just tweet something, tap tap, tap some buttons on my phone, add video, and next thing you know, 
going crazy. <laughs> going crazy, man. Um, it shows the power of the internet for real. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, hey, we're we're coming to the end of this thing. Where can people find you at, Zuby? I'm on all social media at Zuby Music. That is Z-U-B-Y Music. Definitely follow me on Twitter. I'm also on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. And you can check out my website, teamzuby.com, if you want to get any music, merchandise, or check out my book. Um, of course, if you want to check out my music or my podcast, just search for Zuby, Z-U-B-Y, on any of your favorite music platforms, and you will find me there as well. Awesome, man. Well, hey, I really appreciate you coming on and taking the time with us uh, this morning for me, this afternoon for you. Uh, I definitely look forward to what you're going to be putting out. I, I'm, I'm stoked for the new album. Uh, can't wait to hear it. Did you, did, you do, did you produce a lot of the tracks on there? I don't produce. I wrote. I wrote all the songs, just but the songs. Uh, I don't produce beats. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I don't produce beats. I never have. Okay. Yeah, I was just wondering. I, I didn't know. I didn't know. Uh, no, that's all that. good, man. That's all good. Definitely. You know, yeah, down yeah. down the line, uh, when you when you when you got the album out and stuff, and maybe you want to come back on and my my platform's a little bigger, we can promote the the album some more. That's what man. I appreciate it. Hey, absolutely. You have a good one, Zuby. Thank you. You too. Take. All right, guys, another successful episode of Break the Cycle. Thank you guys so much for checking this out. Now, this was pre-recorded so that we could fit the time zones in, so it's not live, but I will be hanging out in the live chat with you guys when it airs on Friday. Um, Definitely check out our sponsors at Lorenzotti.coffee for all your delicious Italian coffee needs delivered directly to your door. Bring the taste of Italy home. Use BTC at checkout for a 10% discount. Of course, TopLobster.com, my friend, my partner, uh, amazing graphic artist, does all of these thumbnails uh, and shirts and stuff by... Uh, by hand. He also did this great shirt here. Government is the mafia masquerading as a human rights organization. Of course, he has a lot of other stuff you can check out. Use BTC at checkout for a 10% discount and anthemplanning.com executive producers of the show. Wonderful people. Check them out for all of your emergency crisis planning needs for your business, home, personal, whatever it is. They're doing a job that the government sucks at and they're going to do it better. So make sure you check them out. Uh, next week coming up is going to be a wonderful week. Uh, for the show, let me, uh, I didn't get, unfortunately, I did not get the flyer up on the OBS quick enough. Um, but I will tell you guys who I've got coming up. Uh, so we will have Dan Smots on the show. Uh, I believe Monday or Tuesday. Dan's the one who helped with my outro video. Uh, he also runs the System Is Down podcast. He did a bunch of the uh, uh, media for the Joe Jorgensen and Spike Cohen campaign. He's an awesome dude. I can't wait to have him on. Uh, Wednesday, we'll have Tho Bishop. Uh, Tho is from the Mises Institute. He's a wonderful dude. Uh, very, very vocal. Uh, you probably know who he is. I'm excited about having him on. And then... 527. We're going to have JJ Boogie on. I'm a huge fan of this guy. Uh, I was, you know, he's, he's from, uh, uh, an amazing group from when I was young called Arrested Development. If you don't remember them, uh, you should go check them out because I'm sure you've heard their songs, uh, probably on MTV when you're staying home sick when you were young. Uh, I am so, so super stoked for this. Um, but anyways, uh, that is it for today. Uh, I will see you guys. Let's take, you're seeing this on Friday. So I will see you on Tuesday at the earliest, but until then, don't forget to break the cycle. Due to legal reasons, I just have to explain The lyrics of my last song may seem to contain A violent call to action in the verse of the brain But I just landed in Minecraft The helicopter part wasn't referenced to 5 in the 
Nothing I mean, you know it. No product finish gets you close to COVID. 